Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Celtic Down Under Tuesday Crew Podcast. I'm your host for tonight, Stephen McCutcheon, and I'm joined tonight by my very good friends, Dave and Willie, and it's a very warm welcome back from the Pride of Belfast, Gav. So, how was your week off, Gav, and are you all refreshed and ready to go? I'm refreshed and ready to go. I missed you guys terribly, you know, but uh, as we discussed last week, at least I had Lovers Blind to see me through. I did go and do a bit of research on Love is Blind and I had a little bit. I watched the first five minutes and it was just... The first five you know, episodes, I think you mean. I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> it wasn't the worst TV show I've ever seen, but it, it was up there, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> so good on you for sticking it out for that long. Mm-hmm. Um, and Dave, how are you? Yeah, doing well. Good to be back. Good to see you back. Yep. And Wally, how's it going over there in New Zealand? Yeah, the, the weather's changing. It's getting a bit autumnal over here, right? But other than that, we're doing very well. All right. Uh, well, let's get stuck into it straight away. Um, we'll talk a bit about the, the game on um, Sunday just gone there. Um, so Celtic's relentless march towards the title uh, continued on with a, a very comfortable win down on the Ayrshire carpet uh, down at Kilmarnock. Um, 4-1 result. Team was... Um, 4-0 up after 27 minutes with a goal from Kyogo, two from Matt O'Reilly uh, and one from Dyson Maeda. And then that rounded out the scoring for us for the game with Komardik pulling one back just before halftime. Uh, Second half, bit of a non-event. Um, but I'll just grab your brief thoughts in the game and uh, anything, any major talking points coming out of it. Go to you first, Gav. Well, first half, absolutely incredible. 
really exciting to watch. Like, you know, I got enough pleasure from the first half to do me for multiple games, so I didn't care that the second was a damn squib, to use the correct term there, Willie. Um, yeah, the first goal, Kyogo's goal, everyone's saying, oh, you know, defensive lapse. And it was, but only because Kyogo was there to make it so. You know, that ball that he played back, Kyogo was checking him out. He was already in the he was in the center circle, I think, when the ball was played, Kyogo was. And he knew it was coming, and he was already on the run by the time it left his foot, you know. And I don't think anybody else in the Scottish League would have got to that and made that a mistake. So that was incredible. And... Matt O'Reilly, amazing to see him back. You know, I'm among those who've been critical of him slash concerned with his lack of form over the past number of months. But uh, to see him confident and happy and stroking home goals like that is a thing of beauty. He is indeed a thing of beauty. I think it's fair. I think we can all agree we're all modern men. I'm with you there, guys. He's a very, very handsome man. Absolutely, mm. mate. <laughs> yeah, so I really yeah. enjoyed it. Thought it, was, thought it was great. I mean, the first half was just so amazing. When those goals were flying in, so wonderful. Yeah, when you go when you go four 0 up after twenty seven minutes, then you're you're sort of looking at sort of scoring records and stuff like that. Um, but it didn't really eventuate. Um, Willie, any concerns about the second half and the way we we sort of dropped off? Um, not really, because the game was dead, and I think um, taking Kyogo off and putting on, I, I kind of got the impression O might have been trying a little too hard to impress Klinsman. He did well in what he was doing, and then, but there wasn't that many chances for him to try and sort of capitalise on. He seemed to drop a little bit deeper here and there, just try and get a bit of action on the ball. But um, nah, I'm not too concerned. The game was dead, and I mean, if it, if it was one-one, we would be pressing. There wouldn't be the slap sort of play that was there. Kelly had a 10-minute spell from like 65 to 75 minutes where they had a few attacks on us, but they were never going to score. They got, the only reason they did score is because um, Callum McGregor, for once, actually made a mistake <laughs> in the game. Man. First time I think I've seen him do it in a very, very long time. So. But it's a good result on the Lego, as I call it. It's a horrible pitch, and yeah, it's a good result. So, no, nah, As you say, no concerns over the second half. Yeah, we, we, we did. We did go off off the boil, but we were well in control, so it didn't really matter too much. Yeah, well, you know, I maybe slightly disagree a little bit there. I was a bit, I was a little bit annoyed with the second half performance, and it really was for me out of step with what the, the mantra that Ange is always preaching, uh, and that we never stop. Uh, and we definitely did stop, and it wasn't even for me just the second half. It was it was like the last sixty minutes of the game, and um, so I thought the last fifteen minutes of the first half we were pretty poor as well, and that was sort of reflective of um, of Callum McGregor and dispossessed in his own box. Um, I thought Alistair Johnson had a bit of a stinker in the second half after being very good in the first half. I thought um, even uh, Kobayashi who had a very Assured first half, I thought he started to a lot of passes going astray, not finding their targets, and um, and I know Kilmarnock were pressing higher uh, because they knew the game was gone and they were just trying to avoid an embarrassment at that point. But you know, I, I was I would have been hopeful for a, for a few more goals to be honest. Um, so Dave, what do you what do you think? What was your view? 
Yeah, no, that's the kind of um, analysis we tune into for on Tuesday. You know, we can't all agree, and that's good. I was I was thrilled by the by the um, uh, yeah, as as Gab says, after half an hour to kind of be um, it's interesting. Kyogo having a little chuckle after he missed the penalty um, was a bit, you know. Um, uh, uncharacteristic, maybe, but there, and a, a sense of how you know how much fun they were having and how how sort of comfortable they felt. I get what you're saying, Stephen, about you know Andrew's mantra of um, never giving up. But I think this game was a bit of a tough one in that um, they've got a really good record at home and the plastic pitch. Um, I think we go into every game feeling very confident now, um, more than very confident, you know, with expectation, but. Of all of all of this was the one that you know that could that could have been a real um, difficult one. So I think to kind of go to, to really take the game away from them in the first half an hour was pretty extraordinary. Um, yeah, I mean, it was in, I thought it was interesting that was it Jota and who else missed? Um, and Ange seemed to be CCV. quite upfront. Yeah, CCV um, quite upfront about it's because of the pitch um, and just the management. You know, the management of of the players that is kind of happening now, um, I thought was quite interesting. And I guess the fact that we've got such a, such a strong squad and a deep squad now uh, means that you can start making those smart decisions. So, yeah, we've got both the, the, the practical grinded out and the spectacular, you know, blow them off the pitch and a bit of, uh, you know, laughs and chuckles along the way as well. I thought Kobayashi looked really good. Um, I, as you point out, Stephen, like so that sort of pass to um, unlock the defence. I think he got it into Taylor and then into O'Reilly, who finished it. Like it was just real crisp, good stuff kind of coming out from the back. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was it was exciting like, to see a few new faces as well. And um, uh, yeah, I, I I I really enjoyed myself. And yeah, to be able to tune out a bit in the second half without having to get too stressed about you know a performance maybe not being up to scratch. Yeah, I mean, I, I accept there was, there was there was mitigating factors there, um, and there was you know key players missing out of the team, and I think you know the fact that it was on that an awful surface um, will have led to people try you know self preservation, just try to avoid mm. injury. Um, and as Mahesh has pointed out in the, co- in the comments there, and thanks very much for everyone joining the comments. Uh, Kelly Chick went four three three first half. Which was a bit of a disaster for them. We went four five one second half. Uh, it just pressed as high. Uh, they had a better they had a better second half xg. So they had more efforts in goal than us second half. Um, and that, that 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 certainly was the way I saw the game playing out. Um, I just wanted to mention um, another missed penalty. Um, are we getting concerned about the amount of penalties we're missing? And what was going on with Kyogo? Before the penalty, he had this kind of daft wee grin on his face and yeah. he was kind of laughing and it looked as if he was being forced to take the penalty against his will and he was really nervous about it. It was just kind of weird. But, it, but we, we missed far too many penalties for my liking um, and I think it's going to cost us in one of these games eventually. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, it looked like to me that maybe they'd had a conversation before the game, like who's going to take a penalty today and they... The, the wheel of misfortune ended up pointing at Kyogo. And then he was laughing about that because it came to be. You know, it's not often we get them. But yeah, it'd be nice to have somebody just somebody who's an ever present to just bang him in. Stick, you know, uh, well, I was going to say CCV, he didn't even play, but 
maybe like a defender who's just going to come up and put their laces through it every time. That would make life a lot easier. Yeranovic was certainly good at the penalty. I think he was one in the time he was there. and I felt really confident every time he stepped up to take one. Moy as well is another one who can take penalties. He, he's, he seems pretty confident with it, but it's been like that for a while. There's always every time a penalty goes in, you're just never so sure, right? You know what I mean? It's it's not just at present. There's been other teams. I think Gordon Strachan's team didn't really have a, a clear penalty taker either. I'm trying to think. I'm just yeah. in mind, but um, I mean, ha- having a good been... penalty taker is important, right? But yeah. not at the expense of the rest of their jobs. Like if you look at Rangers, uh, Tavernier, or maybe I've missed the memo, but every Celtic fan seems to pronounce that in a different way. But I believe it's Tavernier, not Tavernier. I think, I think, or Tavernier. I think the correct I think the correct pronunciation is Tav Pen. Tav Pen. That's what I say. He can strike a ball. There's no. Yeah, doubt. he can for sure. Yeah. I think we're all just used to having guys like um, Dembele and Edward stepping up and doing panenkas in cup finals and stuff like that. So yeah. uh, we have had good penalty takers in this sort of recent past. Um, but yeah, well, we're certainly struggling on that front just now. But you know, mm. it's not the end of the world. I think Aaron Moy can strike a decent penalty. Uh, he obviously no. wasn't on the on the pitch at the time, but he would certainly be first choice. And um, um, hopefully, the next time we get one, we'll, we'll have sorted that out. Um, I might just grab your your views on the surface itself because it has caused a bit of controversy. Um, I think it's a little bit ridiculous. Uh, in a top flight league we are having to leave players out of the team because of the surface um, mm. when otherwise they would have played and that's that's basically what Ange said post-match that both um, CCV and Jota were left out because of the surface uh, now I get I get the sort of financial aspect to it where clubs like Kilmarnock um, can rent out the pitch for community wow. events and things like that but what do we feel about it? Is it time we went all grass uh, for the top league and made it a prerequisite of getting in the SPL? I, I think Ange was... Well, yeah, just the fact that Ange was so pointed about it, you know, he doesn't say things accidentally. Um, and whether he's trying to make a point about the professionalism and the equity of you know, what is a, a top 10 European league, I think he's kind of trying to expose a bit of, and use whatever influence he has to to call that out. And that's that's as, that's as much of an indictment as anything, as you could say, that players literally can't play on the pitch, then you've got a real problem. In terms of mandating it, yeah, I mean, um, I mean, it would be a pity to see sides that have made that investment and made that decision not be able to... Um, you know, participate in the top flight. So I don't think it's as straightforward as that because there's clearly, you know, structural sort of ongoing costs that preclude the grass pitches in these places. I wouldn't have made those decisions otherwise. So I think you could sort of make it a condition, but I don't know whether there's some sort of um, subsidisation or so. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not too sure, but it's. I, I think our manager is clearly saying, like, this is not acceptable for... The, the levels that we're expecting to play at, and and so it is, you know, like if in, um, yeah, uh, uh, what do you reckon, Willie? I I think they've got to go, man. There's guys getting injured on them. There's guys not getting to play. I mean, Jozo Samunovic, we couldn't put him near any of them. That was like 
six games a season he would miss because he had Hamilton, Livingston and Kilmarnock in the top flight at the time. None of them are great. They all look like they're Lego bricks stuck down. It just looks horrible. You look at Callum McGregor when he fell, the guy sort of shoulder bars him out of the way. It looks sore. He didn't bounce. He just thudded straight down. There was no... You can tell it's a different sort of landing he had there. It was just, and he hurt himself when he get when he get back up. You could see it was a rubbing his shoulder. It's a sore when he's taken. But they, they if Kilmarnock go down, and I ho- kind of hope Kilmarnock do go down now because you have a chance. We have a voting structure. I think it's eleven to one of all the twelve teams. It has to be eleven to one in one way or the other that mm-hmm. to get to to make a rule pass. So if all eleven clubs vote. Saying right, no more plastic pitches. The only one that's going to vote for it then is Livingston, who aren't going to get relegated, and they have no choice. But right, here's two seasons: get your pitch up to scratch or face sanctions. You just get expelled from the league like, until you can get a grass pitch. I mean, mm-hmm. Motherwell had a really, really bad pitch for years, and they spent a little bit of money on it. And now look at it; it's one of the best playing surfaces in Scotland, right? So it can be done, right? And what's wrong with the issue of the pitch connected to the whole ticketing issue as well? Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've seen that yeah. discussed elsewhere, yeah. where they say like Celtic could have had another four thousand tickets, and at thirty-five pounds a head, that's nearly one hundred and fifty thousand. Mm-hmm. Multiply yeah. that by four with the two Glasgow teams, and you know that's six hundred grand a year that they're not getting to improve their surface and pay a couple of groundsmen to maintain them. The rest of it. So whether they should be mandated to or strongly encouraged to accept those tickets um, or to make those tickets available because there's a revenue stream just sitting right there. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't what even know... The... Um, sorry, Dave, on you go, mate. I'm just going to say, I don't even know how modern an AstroTurf pitch that is because I know they've got some pretty good ones. Uh, kicking around just now, some really good technologies going into all weather pitches, but I, I really don't. I wouldn't bet that that's that's one of the better ones, to be honest. Um, as far as the ticketing thing goes, like I think I I, I can understand where the teams like Kilmarnock are coming from. They don't really want to see three sided, you know, three sided a ground full of Celtic fans going mad while they're getting cuffed five 0 That's not a pleasant experience for anyone who watches these teams, and I think. Sometimes we have to think ourselves into their position a little bit. Difficult mm. though it is. But I do see the point um, about the finances and they could they could bring in a lot more money for themselves and, and possibly uh, get a better team, you know, and, and you know, improve performances mm. against Celtic and Rangers. So, uh, look, I can see both sides to that argument. I'm not sure the incentive for them to, yeah, if they're, if they're mandated to, or, you know, encouraged to spend that money on a pitch that's going to make it easier for Celtic to come and beat them um, by raising the money, by letting more Celtic fans into the park. I can't see the uh, incentive in it for them, except if it's like, a, you know, um, some sort of directive. But, um, I mean, what's the issue? Why is it to do with safety, a player safety, or is it to do with the quality of the spectacle around having pitches, grass pitches that are money or whatever like what's the why can you not have or is it because if it's if it's a safety thing which seems most likely then we've got that it hasn't fixed that problem you know if having a poor quality poorer quality grass pitch is unsafe well so is having a you know that quality plastic pitch so i'm not sure what problem is being solved necessarily by it except is it the ongoing maintenance or something like yeah, I imagine. It's I would that. say it's a cost issue. Like, mm. 
Yeah. You're paying groundsmen. Under soil heating has to be on through the week and that if you've got a, a, a grass pitch. It's a lot of money. And they also, they also... Can I talk about something sort of adjacent to this? There's a lot of talk about how the rest of the league is really weak at the moment and it's up to these other teams to do everything they can to boost their own resources instead of complaining about the bigger clubs. There's a couple of things I noticed watching that game today. It's slightly silly, but, you know, they might feed into the whole thing. One is the Kilmarnock crest is incredibly weird, isn't it? It's got a couple of squirrels either side yeah. of a crown. Are they not squirrels? Yeah, they are squirrels. 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 They are either squirrels, side of a yeah. crown with a hand doing like a two-fingered dodgy mm. handshake salute or something. Mm. And I was thinking like squirrels. I mean, who wants to play for a team, you know, of squirrels? But sports teams are usually associated with predators, you know, eagles and wolves and lions and tigers. But, you know, it doesn't make you puff your chest up to, to go out onto the pitch from a low ceiling uh, doorway. You see, Joe Hart couldn't even get under that thing. Uh, so your head's already bowed as you squirrels as well. the plastic surface to represent the squirrels. <laughs> I mean, what sort of marketing manager is behind all that? Surely that could do with a revamp. Yeah, I think you know, I'm going to say, I don't know, right? but um, my dad was That's a That's why everyone fan. tuned in, Steve. Yeah, it's a decisive comment, I know. <laughs> but I should be able to find this out relatively quickly because my, my dad was actually a Kilmarnock fan because he was born and raised in the town. Um, so I do have some relations that still go to Kilmarnock games. So I'll find that out and that'll be my homework for next week. <laughs> about that? That's good. That'll be interesting. The yeah, finger sig- yeah. symbol is quite interesting as well. It clearly means something specific. Um, so I know a lot of players get in trouble for finger signals here in Australia yeah. over oh, the you've years. You've got to read um, a couple of the comments there, Steve, that have come in about the finger signals. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I'll let you read them, Gav. Can you can you see them? Oh. Well, let me see. Strange Love the Doctor, who probably is qualified to say this sort of thing, says, don't forget the lesbian's hand signal. One of them, and then somebody else, Edward Y of Oz, says, Reminds me of a prostate checkup. Good luck to you, Edward. I hope everything works out. Surely not two fingers, that's harsh. <laughs> He's an accommodating kind of guy, <laughs> yes. Yeah, I don't know. Pete McGee is saying about the secret lodge album emblem, and I'm not sure if Pete's being serious there, but. I was wondering that. Like, is there some sort of that's that's what it that's what it resembles? Um, yeah. so yeah, I, I don't. So I don't in, think interested so. to hear. <laughs> yeah, okay. So we've we've sort of um, summarised the fact that we'd like Kilmarnock to go down because of their rubbish pitch, their terrible badge that reminds of us prostate checkups, and um, there is a third reason I would like them to go down as well, and that is Derek McInnes. Now he has to be, you know, the biggest tosser in Scottish football. And, it, and it's a very high bar. It really is. It's a did field, hear, yeah, did, yeah it's, did you hear his post-match uh, comments about asking uh, why O wasn't sent off for a high boot? And he wasn't actually saying that he thought O should have been sent off. It was just like saying one of his players had been sent off for a high... And I haven't even seen this incident for a high boot a couple of weeks ago. And where was the consistency? So just to summarise that, he wants them to be consistently wrong. 
in the refereeing decisions, not even consistently right. And he just, of all the things he could have spoke about after the game, he yeah. could have mentioned the fact that his team were improved second half. Yeah. Um, you know they, they, you know they, they, they won the second half, as it were, if you go by Bielonomics, as it's become known. Um, so they won the second half one 0 So he could have focused on that and just spoke up his own team, but he, he, he decided not. He was going to talk a lot of shit about Celtic uh, and try and never once mentioned how good Celtic were in the first thirty minutes. So Derek McInnes, go take, give yourself an uppercut, and I hope you end up in the first division. So, what's your thoughts on Derek McInnes? Well, he's a namesake of mine, so I won't be too harsh. But um, uh, no, I, I, I don't know. I don't have particular opinions, but I do have a solution for the plastic pitch conundrum, which is we should install one ourselves, and then we will get guaranteed results at uh, Livy and Kilmarnock, and we'll be a top away trip for Europe. So I've solved it. And save a bit of cash, because, you know, we need that. Sounds good, Dave. Um, so, yeah, we have a comment here. I'll just read out who reckons. It's Kaiser HTTC who thinks Derek McInnes and David Martindale are scoring points with the staunch to try and get Bill's job after he gets sacked. So <laughs> that's a good point, isn't it? Maybe that's what he is doing. He is a, he is a dirty big hun, Derek McInnes. Um so that's his that's his background. So, um, so any anything else to add on the game? Anything else we want to say? I actually oh, thought. Um, oh, sorry, go ahead. Sorry, sorry, Gav, on you go, mate. Well, I'm talking too much. Uh, I was only going to say that I'd like to see Matt O'Reilly celebrate more effusively. I want to see him complete his celebrations. He sort of gives up halfway through. I want to see him like you know run at the crowd and fist pumping. Whereas he kind of turns into a dingle dangle scarecrow after, you know, half of his celebration, and the head goes down and the arms swing, and you know, he always, come on, he always, uh, he always reminds me of a guy who hasn't scored a goal in about three years. It just seems to be complete relief that he's finally scored a goal, and he'd, he'd scored one like five minutes earlier. So, yeah, uh, I, I know what you're saying. He, he doesn't see me. He doesn't see me enjoy it that much. So. Well, you were you were going to add something uh, to the game? I, I, I was just going to say, the more I see Oahu, the more impressed I am. That guy is just—he is a player. Like we can see that now. Like, and it's just great to see him starting to get integrated in the team. I thought he was just like, oh, this guy's a holding midfielder, and he'll sit there and he'll soak up all the pressure, help the defence out. But he seems to be a pretty complete midfielder from what I'm seeing so far. He's—he's he's got that number eight quality about him, where he'll just go box to box if need be. You know, soak up. Mm-hmm. Sit back and help the defence. Nah, great player. Like, hopefully it will continue. Yeah, I think he was one of the players for me that, that put in a, a ninety minute good performance. I think he was nah. he was good first and second half. Um, and I think I, I'm really looking forward to seeing a midfield three at some point of McGregor, Iwata, uh, and Hitati. I think that that's very exciting. And it could do some real damage to teams um, in the future. Maybe not. Might not see it this season, but certainly moving into next year in the in the in the Champions League. Um it's, it's certainly an area we can improve. Yeah. And I've just 
Googled what the hand symbol is, and uh, it represents the sixth century disciple of Saint Columba, Saint Manan, for whom Kilmarnock is named the, ter- the the town. So it's actually a deep Catholic symbol uh, from the deep history of Scotland's Catholic past. So there Still we go. Doesn't explain doesn't explain the squirrels though, does it? No, no, I couldn't get to the squirrel there. I don't. <laughs> so we'll do a bit of squirrel hunting over over the next week, and I'll report back next week. All right, we'll move on for the game. Um, and as we, we set 12 points clear in the league and marching towards the title, uh, we're on course to break the 100 points mark and break some records. So I thought it'd be a good idea to have a look at um, Brendan Rogers' invincible treble side and sort of try and make a judgment about how many of that team uh, we get into our current team and vice versa. Um Brendan Rogers' team in 2016-17 were, of course, invincible. Uh, never lost a game, and but drew four games. So they dropped a total of eight points in the season. So we've currently lost one and drew one, so we're sitting on five points dropped. So if we go win all the rest of our games, uh, which is a possibility, we'll, we'll have a better a better record than the invincible team. Um, so I think it's an interesting discussion to have. Uh, before we get into that, I might just... Um, Grab your thoughts on uh, on Brendan Rogers, the man himself, and and uh, sorry, a couple of weeks after he was given his marching orders by Leicester City, um, and see how we're feeling about him. Like a few years after he left, he left it under very acrimonious circumstances, and um, a lot of Celtic fans don't have a lot of nice things to say about him. So, Gav, I'll let you go into bat first for your fellow Ulsterman. Yep. Well, he's from Carnloch, which is a little village on the Antrim coast and it's a couple of villages along from where my family originate from. It's kind of almost the nearest point of the island of Ireland to Scotland. You know, you can see the Mullican Tire lighthouse twinkling across the sea. And uh, so I was excited when he got the, it seemed to fit very nicely. And I think he's a very talented manager. He's clearly a man of ambition and, um, and someone of not inconsiderable ego. Am I still there? Yeah, um, I've still got you. I kind of think, up a little you know, bit. It's, just all, it's just all about the way he left. The way he left is the problem. Other managers, the way Martin O'Neill left, you know, he couldn't have blotted his copybook, but he left at a bad time, middle of the season. We all know the story. And... Um, you know, Celtic fans are very unforgiving. It's like when you break up with someone in a relationship, are you the type to be able to look back on it fondly and not the way it ended? Or do you focus on the acrimonious and bitter end and hate them forever? Very philosophical, Gav. Um, so what are, you, what are you saying then? Do you like him? Or, you love him or hate him? I don't hate him as much as many others. Okay. Um, Willie? Thoughts on the broach? Aye, uh, as Gav summed up there, I'm only going to focus on the bitter end of it, right? Stuffing. <laughs> I just, nah, the way he did it was just so wrong. If he'd waited till the end of the season, he would have left a legend. Like, you know what I mean? We would still be singing his name now and again here and there. Like, but to do it the way he did it. And then to find out that, that Leicester were prepared to wait until the close season for him to come down, mm-hmm. that was just a massive slap in the face. Like, and the one that you see him sitting there that night, 
he's sitting there at the Leicester Stadium with his cup of tea in his hand. Oh, there's me, I've made it, I'm parking the big time. Look at me, I just like, aye. <laughs> You're called a rat for a reason now, and that name's going to stick forever more. So mm. I'll just leave it at that before I get a bit too heated and start throwing things around and smashing things. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think we got the gist of that there, Willie. Um, yeah. So that's all noted. <laughs> so Dave, uh, I think yeah, I don't I don't have you know particular animosity or anything like that. But I think it's one of those things you know you can um, forgive almost anything except hypocrisy sometimes. And it's sort of it, it was that he was making indications that he was going to stay, and he was sort of you know committed to the badge like right up until the last minute right like that's um and so you know you can't discount you know the sort of there's ways to conduct yourself and clearly that hasn't he, he hasn't you know lived up to that but it is something that happens quite a bit and I do wonder <laughs> like I wonder I can't imagine a similar thing happening with Ange Postacoglu but you know what happened in Yokohama <laughs> with him as well you know like a, we, that's a story we don't hear and from what we gather, I mean, we're talking about a very different culture and a very different footballing culture, I suppose, where, you know, there is a lot of movement and it was probably understood all along that Ange would take a, a different opportunity. Um, but, you know, he had no problem sort of moving instantly uh, from, a, from a live campaign, in which I think they were, they were in with a shout. Uh, that they didn't end up winning. Um, so, yeah, I'm not trying to make an equivalence or sort of, you know, um, make out that Andrew's a bad guy, but I just think, you know, these things do happen, but it's about how you set that up. And I think Andrew's kind of, it feels now trying to establish with everyone that he can be trusted <laughs> and that he will stay around as long as possible and that, you know, when it happens, but to not... But everything changes and things will move on. He's kind of establishing that that's going to, not pretending that it's all going to be fine. Now, if he were to leave tomorrow, then yeah, that's a very interesting discussion. Then you know around how that, how we how we think about that. But the fact is, Brendan Rodgers did that. That's how he's felt. That's that's how he's regarded um, with this club. Uh, we all have different perspectives on the same individuals through this game. So yeah, I think that's a it's it's um, yeah it's it's sort of. Don't pretend to be doing something that you're not. And I didn't know about that, really, where you were saying that Leicester gave them him the option of of delaying. And then, yeah, that sort of, that seems like a, a, a haste to get out rather than a, you know, let's finish the job sort of idea. Yeah, I think uh, Ange, Ange left Brisbane Roar under a little bit of a cloud um, in similar circumstances, maybe not similar circumstances, but not... Not very friendly circumstances. So. We went down to Melbourne uh, Victory, uh, yeah, who were considered right. the bigger club, and then he left mm. Melbourne Victory very rapidly as well to take the national yeah. role. You know, which is understandable and makes sense. So, not to say that he's a serial, you know, uh, rat or anything like that, um, but you know, it do, it does happen, and I can see in the comments, yeah, that that you know that um, Andrew saying that uh, yeah, he left Yokohama. Marinos with the blessing, club's blessing and so on. And, yeah, I mean, it'd be interesting to see what fans think, I suppose. Not suggesting that's not true, but it would be interesting. Yeah, I think for, for me, um, I understand why why he gets the bad press that he does, but I think I draw the line at calling him a rat. Um, he's um, he, he brought so much to Celtic 
in terms of professionalism. And he turned us from being, quite frankly, a rabble, which we were at the time when Rory Tyler got sacked. Um, and there was all sorts going on at the club. And if you if you listen to players talk about Brendan Rodgers, um, guys like Callum McGregor, uh, Scott Brown um, and Kieran Tierney all get great things to say about him, about how he made them better players and, and certainly assisted them in getting to where they, they ended up as top-class professional football players. So he definitely got a lot of qualities. I think it's clear that the, the, the most important thing to Brendan Rodgers is Brendan Rodgers. Um, and that was always going to be the case. He was always going to do what was right for him. Uh, but when we, when he got into his final season, I think the, the relationship with the board, in particular Peter Law, had broken down uh, beyond all repair. Um, and I think it was only a matter of time. But I, but I understand that he could have waited to the end of the season and to leave the club and try and take the entire backroom team with him on the eve of a, an away Scottish Cup tie at Tynecastle uh, was pretty poor behaviour. Um, but I think time's a healer. Uh, and I think uh, in a few years' time, we'll look back on, on Roger's time at the club and we'll look at the fact he won every trophy that he was here for. He didn't lose any trophies. Uh, and he turned us into a, a, a more professional outfit. And Ange has is, is reaped the benefit of that as well, for sure. He's a top quality manager. You can't, you can't, um, you can't disguise that in any way, shape, or form. Even success he's had at Leicester, he may, he, it's just come to a bitter end for him. Well, not a bitter end. It's just come to the end of his run there. But he's had a successful time there too. Right? You know, I mean, he is a good coach. There's no getting away from that. Right? And like you say, he he did he did turn Celtic into a, a serious outfit once again after that. And you know, the question game. of loyalty in football, like you know. Clubs will very quickly give you the boot, you know. Yeah, we see it in the game all the time, and we see players leaving clubs left, right, and center. And you know, there is no real loyalty. And Angelo Tyro saying in it, Angelo Tyro saying in the comments there, if Liverpool came calling, Ange would be waving his hanky goodbye at all of us. So you know, that's a possibility. I mean, you can never be sure, can you? Um, and you he did many opportunities, you know. Yeah. If you're someone like Andrew or even Rogers, you know, you don't get many opportunities, and you don't really get the opportunity to turn things down. I, you know, I guess so. It's that sort of, um, yeah. I think that the hypocrisy, and I don't, yeah, that that. I think we're being we we understand we understand where we fit in the in the scheme of things. Um, yeah. So you know the fact that Rogers leaves isn't a problem. It's the manner in which it happens, and uh. It, you know, let's not let's yeah. not um, cast forward to when Ange might leave. I think I'd be pretty confident that he would be doing that with full integrity. And then Brendan Rogers, you can say anything like about him, but he did have a very impressive set of teeth. Mm. They were very white. Eventually, when he got them done. <laughs> yeah, he, did, he definitely was a bit of money when he had those teeth, for sure. Mm. Good investment, I reckon. All right, so let's get back onto the, the business in hand. Uh, and we're going to look at the, the team, the Brendan Rodgers Invincible team against the Torrent Celtic team and see if we can assemble a combined 11. Uh, now, I've based this roughly on uh, the team that won the 2017 Cup final against Aberdeen with, with Tommy Rogic scoring in the, an injury time to seal the Invincible treble. Uh, I've added a couple in who weren't playing in that game. Uh, but I think if, you, if there's anybody you can think that I've missed out, um, please please drop in the comments or let me know. Um, so goalkeepers, 
I've only listed down either Craig Gordon or Joe Hart. Um, so obviously there was other guys like Scott Bain and Doris DeFries and, and guys like that and Benji Seagrest currently, but I think those two would be the only realistic options. So who have you got in, your, in goals for the, the combined 11, Willie? I'll put you first. Craig Gordon for me, right? Both very, very, very accomplished shot stoppers. Craig Gordon's probably more confident and commanding of his box. And he's he's you see bigger performances out of Gordon a lot, like so. Yeah, Craig Gordon for me, like. Yeah, um, that's a tough one. I think they're very similar goalkeepers. Um, yeah. I've seen Gordon make a few clangers in his yeah, time yeah, as yeah. well, and I think Hart would make less mistakes than Gordon. What do you think, Gav? Yeah, any thoughts on the, the goalkeeping situation? Well, I think neither of them are Ange players. And uh, mm. neither of them are like ideal goalkeepers for an Ange Postecoglou team. That's what I would say. And also, as we're doing this bit, I, I think given the conversations we had earlier, maybe Stephen, you and Willie can run through the players, and and Dave and I can chip in a little bit. But in the interest of time, mm. don't think we're yeah, going to okay. be able to all four of us. I'm also yeah. taking note. I'm trying to keep. I'm trying to keep a score here as well of of who wins. Yes, yeah, so, and I've um, we had this up in our. Um, Celtic down under uh, group chat, uh, and I've took a bit of a score from them, um, from from those inputs as well. So we'll move on to right back, uh, and we've got the Michael Lustig or Mikael Lustig against Alistair Johnson. So for me, I love. I think they're very similar players again. Good right backs with a hard edge to them. Um, Alistair Johnson is going to be a very good start to his career, but I would give it to Michael Lustig uh, just for longevity over a number of seasons. Uh, and he edges it for me for putting on a policeman's hat after a goal against Rangers and a, a, a bit of banter that will never be defeated. So, Lustig's get it from me. What, what about you, Willie? Um, after yesterday's display, seeing a couple of mistakes here and there that Johnson made, I would go with Lustig again. But you could ask me this question tomorrow and I'll say, Johnson, you can ask me this question on Thursday. You can ask me this on Friday and I'll have a different answer for you. So... I'm swaying towards Lustig at the moment, mate. Like. Yeah. And again, what Probably is, the, a bit early is to... the better player, or would they get yeah. into Ange's team? Would Ange I think these people? I, I don't think. I think I, Ange. I don't know. I think he might. Like. But then, it, if if it depends, if you wanted to play Brendan Rodgers style, you'd go with Lustig. Well, that's and then the thing. If you wanted to play Ange's style, yeah. you would play probably go for Johnson because I don't think Lustig would be able to sort of invert the way Taylor and, and Johnson yeah. are very very comfortable in doing that. Like. So kind of be dependent on the formation you're going to go with. Are you wanting an overlapping fullback or are you want an inverting fullback? So most of the comments are along the lines of what I said, basically, Lustig, because he's been there longer and proved it over a longer period of time. So I think he would probably age it. Andrew Galea's thrown in um, Anthony Ralston um, for a bit of a... a, bit of a kind of brick in. <laughs> if Juranovic was still around, he'd... Juranovic, you know, uh, deserves a, a bit of a mention as well. Um, you know, what, what was he, a starting member of the World Cup third-place getter or fourth-place getter or something like that? You know, he's a highly rated. And he performed well for us, you know, he sort of uh, got that. Um, so, anyway, let's not complicate it too much with uh, yeah. past players. It's complicated enough, but, yeah. I'd go for right. Okay, so we'll pick two centre halves now out of um, a list of Joseph Samunovic, um, Dedrick Boyata, Christopher Ayer, 
Carol Starfelt or Cameron Carter Vickers. So just give us two, Willie. Who, who are you going with? CCV and Ayer. I think Ayer would be absolutely fantastic in, in the Orange system, like, to be honest with you. I'm just kind of sad he left, like, because I think he could have really worked out well for him there. But yeah, it's CCV a pity, isn't it? He was... So he was there for a few games, wasn't he? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Think, yeah, would have been great. I think he was one of the ones I heard that, that wanted a move a year earlier than he got it. Um, one of the problems with the COVID season uh, under Neil Lennon was that um, you know a lot of players had been promised uh, transfers at the end of that season if, when we won 10 in a row, but the heart wasn't in it. And looking back on it now, they should have been sold the year before uh, and replaced yeah. for that season. But, uh, you know, hindsight and all that 2020 vision... So yeah, that, that that's basically the way it's went. Really, uh, it's a clear, a clear pick of Cameron Carter Vickers and Christopher Ayer um, as the left sided of the two centre halves. Probably, you'd be hoping that um, Kobayashi would step into that over the next year or two, but but, but we'll wait and see. So left back um, was pretty much one of the cut and dried ones. So you've got either Kieran Tierney or, or Greg Taylor there. So Willie, who 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 are you going with? Kieran Tierney. I think um, he's just an all-round better player. I mean, Greg Taylor's fantastic for us, but Kieran Tierney's the next level up from them, really. So, yeah, yeah. Tierney for me. I don't like, think like there'll be many arguments with that. A genuine world-class player. Um, not yeah. in his troubles to seek down in Arsenal injury-wise, but genuine world-class. And I, I laugh when I, when I read comments about, you know, people saying they wouldn't have him back at Celtic because of, the, you know, oh. another one who, like, who dared to leave. Uh, but I would have Kieran Tierney back in a second, to be honest. Absolutely fabulous player. Yep, no disagreement. Right, so, so we'll step into central midfield. Um, there's a couple of crossover players who have played in both the teams. Um, so you get Cal McGregor, uh, you got Toby Rogic. So that'd be the two that have, have played under Rogers and Ange. Uh, you got Scott Brown, Stuart Armstrong, Aaron Moy, or Rio Hatati. Might have added in David Turnbull there, but I don't think he'd get many votes anyway. Uh, so, picks a midfield three. We're going for a, a three-man central midfield. So, Willie, who would be your three? Brown, Carl McGregor and Rio Hattati. I think Scott Brown, he would just play in that anchor role. It'd be, you look at some of the, the, the way he played, just doing the holding thing under Rogers. he was just... Uh, he just hit an Indian summer there in his career. And, yeah. Carl Mack, for obvious reasons, he's, he's one of the best midfielders Celtic's had in a very, very long time. And Rio Matati, he just gets better every time you see him. Like, you know what I mean? So, for me, it's that three. Yeah, I think, I, I see what you're saying there. Um, the only thing I would say was with Carl, Carl McGregor and Scott Brown, maybe we'd be looking to play the same sort of position. Um Certainly, they're playing the same sort of position now. Um, Cal Mack maybe a bit further forward when Scott Brown was in the um, team. And um, Shane's brought up in the in the comments there that we should have Tommy Rogic in there somewhere because we are a Celtic no. turn on the podcast. So maybe uh, maybe Tommy Rogic would find a space there. He'd be my super sub. He'd be coming off the bench to score the winners and finals and things like that. So definitely yeah. room for him there, right? But I think if so, if you, I, uh, Brown. I'd have to have Brown in there, the captain, you know what I mean? Just because he's Scott Brown and he's he was yeah. 
ferocious. You'd players. have to have him, Willie. You'd have to have him. I would. Would, I would, would Ange have would, Scott Brown, do you think? I don't know. If he, he had a young fit at Scott Brown, then you can see that the holding midfielder role at number six, Scott Brown would be quite comfortable to make that his own. Like push Carl McGregor into number eight with Rio Tati sitting in front of him. Then, yeah. Mm. But then you could see he could go to a double pivot and you could have a double pivot of Carl Mark and Scott Brown there, like you know what I mean? That you might try and do next season with Alata and Carl Mark and have a tatty in front of them. So, there's possibilities there, but I, I just think you look at the amount of trophies Scott Brown's got, you can't argue with that, right? You know what I mean? Hmm. I, I think Ange would have loved Scott Brown. Um his energy and yeah. the energy he brings to any team and the amount of games where he just dragged Celtic forward. Uh, when, yeah. when we were maybe on the way out of a game and he just brought us right back into it just with pure energy and desire I think any manager would yeah. love to have him in the team um, certainly towards the, the last few years of his career uh, but the standout is, is what you were saying there Willie all the votes are going for Cal Mack, Bruni uh, and Rio Hitati so I think that'll, that'll be the, the ones that we get in the nod for our team I had Rogic um, in there you had Rogic? I'd be there. putting Rogic in there yeah I'm not sure which one I think last year's Rogic was just a just a brilliant, uh, you know, swan song kind of thing. We didn't realise it at the time, but I guess in, in retrospect, it was obvious. Um, I don't know if there's any Australian footy fans, but if they remember Matthew Richardson, um, in his last years with Richmond, kind of had this freewheeling kind of role, you know, um, wandering up and down the wing. And Tom Rogic reminded me of that, like just of someone who just sort of was playing with a freedom um, that they maybe hadn't had before and you know was being backed in and being supported and being um yeah supported all the way out the door <laughs> towards the end as well but i just I, I, it was a joy watching him last year and uh, i'm glad we got that little little time of him and Ange together yeah i think uh, rogic is highly real will be as good as anyone's um but you know i think we can't really forget that if when he wasn't on he really wasn't on and he was like a passenger. So, and I think that's why, you know, it, it came time for the for Celtic and Tom Rogic to part ways. And I think Ange realised that, but great player on his day for sure. And the, the winner for that 2017 Cup final is a game that will, that will go down in Celtic history and will be being watched for, for decades to come. Yeah, and I think I'll just jump in with a little pat on the back here for the Tuesday crew for all four windows pronouncing his name Rogic. <laughs> as opposed to Rogic or Rogic or some other variation. So well done, us. Yeah, yeah well, we've, we've done a linguistic history thing before, haven't we? So we're all well versed on the English language now. So this is why people tune in, isn't it? I knew there must be there must be some yep. reason. <laughs> linguistic all decisions. Right. Yep. <laughs> all right. So we'll move to we'll call them wide midfielders. I don't, I'm not really comfortable with the term wingers because they're not really wingers these days, but we'll call them wide mid midfielders. So we've got Scotty Sinclair, we've got Paddy Roberts, we've got James Forrest, uh, Dyson Maeda, Leila Bada and uh, Jota. So, Willie, give us your two wide midfielders. It doesn't really matter what side they're playing on. We'll, we'll just um, yeah. we'll be a bit loose with that one. Same, same list of players there, but for me, I'm going with Jota and Sinclair. I just think Jota gets better every time I see him. He's just so more confident and he's scoring goals. He's rounding keepers. All right, pensioners right enough, right? But he's he's got all sorts of different goals in the bat in, in the locker. And Scott Sinclair, Scott Sinclair was just phenomenal. It was just pace, pace and goals, like you know what I mean? Just getting beyond people. So yeah, definitely Jota and Sinclair, like. 
Yeah, Scott Scott Sinclair's first season, especially, um, he was he was phenomenal. He came off the bench, yeah. Tynecastle, to make his debut and scored the winner there. On his debut, um, absolutely brilliant. Um, great player. Fell away a bit towards the end of his time there, uh, yeah. but always speaks very highly of Celtic. Any time um, I've seen him being interviewed about it, Patrick Roberts, another one deserves an honourable mention. A very good player. Yeah, um, yeah he was. Again, just wrong place, wrong time, really. Um, we had him on loan, couldn't afford to buy him, and his career's sort yeah. of slight sliding off. Yeah, he's in yeah. Sun- Sunderland now, isn't he? So he's, he's on Sunderland, the Middlesbrough, one of the two, yeah. And he'll never play at a higher level than Celtic again. So I, mean, nah, I wonder if he, if he could do it all again, whether he would make a different decision. And so yeah, that was that was fit, pretty much the, the majority decision with Sinclair one side, Jota on the other. Any, any disagreement, mm. Gareth, Dave? No, I had no. Jota. Yeah, I had Jota and question mark, um, just because there were a lot of, uh, so many options there. I think if we were doing this in a few years, we might say Abada, but um, uh, Leal Abada, but he doesn't get on the park enough for us uh, to be able to say that right now, but he is hoping that he grows into the player that we think he might be. And then we're in retrospect, we'll be uh, cherishing this time that we've had with him here. I was always te- I was always tempted to see James Forrest. I've got a mate, and I'm going to out him. His name's Colin McRobbie, um, and he hates James Forrest with a passion that almost verges on weirdness. So I was always tempted to put James Forrest in there just to wind up Colin. Um, but yeah, no, I think um, I think Scott Sinclair and Jota would, would definitely get get my nod. Um, so we'll move on. I agree to- with what Andrew's saying here. Sorry, Andrew in the comments here saying that no one does what Maeda does. And I think that's a really um, valid point yeah. as well. I mean, he's yeah. scored on the weekend and that's great to see that in his game as well. And early on, he was scoring a lot. But yeah, that pressure that he brings and the pace and yeah, it's it's quite it's, extraordinary. So, yeah. His defensive attributes as well. Maeda just closes that ball down high up the pitch and allows us to get back in and get ready again for any sort of wave that might be coming back at us. But I, yeah. Stinkler for me, definitely. All right, so uh, we're, we've got a lone striker to choose now um, in our formation. So we've got a choice of Lee Griffiths, Musa Dembele, Odson Edward, Kyogo, Giacomakis or O. So who's your lone striker, Willie? I've gone Kyogo, eh? I just think what Kyogo does is just, uh, it's just something else, that perpetual motion. He's, he's just constantly moving, 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 pulling defenders with him, opening spaces. He just never gives up, and it's it's the full ninety minutes. He's at well, what sixty minutes is what he gets. Like it's just movement, 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 and his goals. You see the goals he scores against Rangers, and he's he's turned into a proper hand scalper, and he's got the chance this season to beat the record. So I think Larson sits on six goals in one season against Rangers, and Kyogo's already on five. So two more goals, and he'll set the record. So for me, it's Kyogo. Right? So, yeah, I mean, the, the, major, the majority from the votes that came in was for Moussa Dembele, to be honest. There was only the only two who got any votes were Dembele and Kyogo, with Dembele coming out on top. Um, surprised me a bit because, you know, again, Dembele left under a little bit of a cloud, went in a bit of a huff um, towards the end of his time uh, at Celtic. Another hunch, Skelper, though, um, definitely yeah. scored a hat trick against, <laughs> uh, against the Huns in a, a 5 0 thrashing at Parkhead. Um, we were on a we were on a family holiday we were on a family holiday watching it and my whole family well 
90% of my family are Rangers fans and we're all sat there having a meal in a bar watching that. I'm just sitting there, smile from ear to ear and the rest of the family just sitting there, oh, it's not even to give me an eye contact with me. <laughs> it's brilliant, that game, man. Yeah. Yeah, what's known as the perfect hat-trick. Um, one yeah. with his right foot, one with his left foot and one with his head. So, fantastic performance. And the the, the amazing thing about that was the, the controversy before the game was that Lee Griffiths was injured and everybody thought that was a big blow um, for Celtic's chances, but then Dembele comes in and just absolutely wipes the floor with them. Uh, Peter McGlone there making a fair comment that it was a lesser hunt team than what Kyogo's playing against, which is a very valid comment, probably for a number of these players. Uh, the opposition is, is much stronger today than it was back then. Uh, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a captain's pick thing here. I'm just going to give that one to Kyogo uh, because I like him. Uh, and that's and that's it. So we've got a team of um, we're actually evenly split split between Craig Gordon and Joe Hart. We've got Michael Lustig at right back. We've got uh, CCV and Chris Iyer at centre halves. Kieran Tierney at left back. We've got a midfielder Callum McGregor, Rio Tati, and Scott Brown. Uh, wide midfielders are Scott Sinclair and Jota, and Kyogo up front on his own. And that's a team that would smash anyone, in my opinion. I'm very disappointed that O didn't get a few more votes, I have to say. I've no idea why he was even in the list. That's crazy, Steve. Um, you know, I've got a bit of a bee in my bonnet about O. I said it before. It hasn't done much to show me that he's a great footballer. You know, I know lots of people disagree, and we're all desperate to say he's far better than Jack and Marcus. What an upgrade. I wonder how many goals Jack and Marcus would have scored if that relationship hadn't have soured up to this point of the season. But um, when you talk about Dembele, I said on a few episodes ago that I felt like we had our first and our third choice strikers in the squad and we need a second. The second would be of the mould of Dembele in an ideal world. Somebody like that with that kind of pace and power and skill and drive. You know, he fantastic striker. and Somebody who could really push Kyogo and somebody who, when he was coming on, you might suspect that he had a goal in him. Unlike when O comes on. I don't know it's early days, but you don't expect him to score even if Klinsman's in the stands. You know. Yeah, no, I get that. He, I put him in there on uh, on on account of his impressive rig, to be honest. Yeah, his impressive so, rig when he takes his shirt off. So he's got an pack. impressive rig. Yeah, he's six pack, so and that's why he was in there. I'm, I can appreciate a, a good six pack. So, like <laughs> I say, we're all modern men here. On <laughs> and I'm the host, Gab, so I get to pick these things. So yeah. you know, all right. <laughs> all right. So we got the team. That was that was good fun. So I'm glad we did that. Um, so we'll move on to our, um, our last topic for the night, which is we're going to have a look at the Champions League restructuring, uh, what that's going to look like for the 2024 season and um, how that's going to affect Celtic. So take it away, Gav, you're going to tell us a bit about this. Yep. Sorry, I'm just opening up my notes here. Okay, so... Uh, there are big changes afoot to the Champions League format over the next couple of years. Next year's is the way we know it to be. But the year after that, something else is happening that we need to be aware of. I don't know. I'm sure plenty of people listening know exactly what's going on. But 
the 24-25 season is going to be different. There's going to be no group stages in the classical sense, but one big league of 36 teams, a big league table anyway, of 36 teams. Each team plays different teams, four home and four away. So we won't be playing the same team home and away. Eight different games with two from each of four pots. So a minimum of eight games, current six. A couple more games. And it'll be really interesting to see the table of all the Champions League contenders and see after each game how we sit. That's going to be fun. There's going to be no dropping into the UEFA Cup. And the interesting thing for me is this. The top eight go into the last 16. After all is said and done, the top eight in the league, they definitely go into the last 16. As do the next eight from playoffs between 9th and 24th. So if you finish in the top 24 out of a league of 36 and you're not in the top eight, you've still got a playoff to get into the last 16. So that keeps it really interesting for the majority of teams until the very end. Only those at the bottom of the table will have nothing to play for. Now, what's interesting to me about that is we're talking about Ange earlier. How long is he going to stay for? What are his ambitions with Celtic? Next season in the Champions League, what's the best we can hope for, really? We'd love a top 16 finish, but a better showing, a couple of scalps, UEFA Cup, a decent run, that'll be put down as progress. But then Ange will be looking at the following season with Celtic, presuming, assuming we get into it by winning the league next year, which I believe is going to be enough, no problem. Um, that gives you at least the playoff chance of a last 16, if you do okay, in the kind of group stages, if you like. So that's, if ever we needed, you know, a carrot to dangle, I think, in front of Ange to say, look, at least give this new format I go the subsequent season, this could be it. So that gives me hope that that'll strengthen our hand when it comes to keeping Ange, because you'll see that his ultimate ambitions with Celtic can be achieved in this new format in a perhaps easier to conceptualise way than the current format. So I'll throw that back to you boys to discuss. What was it? I don't know, did my sound drop out or did yours drop out? But you said about the fixtures, how they were going to be decided? Like the pots? Yeah, well, there's going to be four different pots. Yeah. You know, A, B, C and D. And you play eight games, two from each of the four pots. Yeah. Including your own. Is that, that, that'll be drawn right at the start then? Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. Yes, because that thing that we discussed earlier, Willie, about the Swiss system where... Yeah, you know, the fixtures are decided on an ongoing basis. That won't be the case. It's, yeah, it's like a simplified version of that. You know, you're yeah. playing. It's as if you're in a group with these, sort of as if you're in a group with them, even though you only play them once. But then the yeah. results are tallied on a big, overarching table. Yeah, 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 yeah. I get that. I so. Yeah. No, I just wasn't sure. Do it. Fixtures and how the, who you were going to play and what sort of format it was going to be for. Are you going to play top? But you've explained it pretty well. Well, right, so. They do it in CONCACAF, 
um, for the Nations Cup or whatever the equivalent is there. So in that North American, Central American nations. Yeah, so they do, because there's so many uh, Caribbean nations within that, um, within CONCACAF that they've, and I think they've only done it once and um, it filtered, as you'd expect and <coughs> hope, I suppose, but, you know, it filtered the top sides to the top, you know, and the United States beat Mexico. Um, and, uh, yeah, but from what I gather, I don't, I'm not a keen follower of CONCACAF or, or, or anything, but, like, it creates a lot of competition at your own level. Um, you know, you're not so – because in the current system where you're – if we're in the, you know, the fourth pot or whatever it is, um, we're always fighting above our – weight division kind of whereas this provides even contests along the way that you have a realistic chance of winning without it being a you know miracle um yeah so i mean it's good in that way and that so you'll get competitive games and sort of maybe europa league level games but with champions league you know prestige and all of that Yeah. yeah that's right yeah um but i think it's it does end up sort of stratifying the competition pretty firmly that you'll get the the big club the big clubs right up top. I mean that happens now anyway, so it's not too different. But I think there is a level of conditioning us to this idea that there is a competition going on at the top level of the European nations. There's a competition going on in the middle and a competition, and whether it's the you know the Super League by by another mechanism, I think is probably the fear that we all have, right? Or the maybe not a fear, but like. Um, uh, the debacle that was trying to bring in the European Super League uh, has a level of, there's a logic and, a, um, you know, I'm not saying like an inevitability, but there's a logic to having those clubs always at the top and kind of locking that in. This feels like it could be a, you know, a step along the way to this idea of a a, a league, you know, like a... a, a, um, a, a, a a league that's familiar to us as national competitions, you know, the way that we're kind of described as like 36 teams, it sort of resembles a, a national competition with a different format. I just wonder if it's going to end up sort of stratifying the um, the clubs in that way. But it is exciting. I think we've got to embrace that change. Like I'm not yeah. sort of trying to be a- against it or anti it or anything like that. Um, but I think we are being conditioned to uh, having the Champions League or the European League as, you know, the main game. Um, and, you know, how quickly that happens, um, we're not too sure. But, you know, there will be a lot of money and a lot of interests who would be looking to push those supersonic sides into their own competition, playing against each other as much as possible. Yeah, this is UEFA's attempt, I think, to head off the Super League by you know, providing a number of the things that the Super League ultimately promises clubs. Yes, that's right. Mm-hmm. So it's, ta- it's taking, yeah, that's right. It's it's where the, the, the systems and structures and regulations or whatever that we've got in place uh, are way, have been able to prevent, yeah, to, to head off the, the, you know, the Super League or, you know, the Indian Premier League kind of version of um, how that might go. But, yeah. That, but I think I think we are being conditioned to uh, yeah. a, a sort I'm, of a broader I'm all sense. For that. Happy days, yeah. bring it on. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I, I think for Celtic in particular, that's a pretty attractive prospect. Like yeah. we're part of that. 
I think like anything um, that UEFA did do, does though, I think we have to look at it with a certain amount of trepidation. Um, there, there's certainly no magnanimous um, intentions behind this other than no. holding wealth. Um, so I think the money, uh, as um, Andrew Galea is still saying in the comments, the money will still flow to the top. Uh, yeah. And you're right what you're saying. This, this is to head off the, the European Super League and to give the bigger clubs what they want, which is more games in the in European competition rather than domestic competition. Um, the upshot, one of the upshots of it is there's likely to be five English teams in the competition, which is, you know, not, not great. I don't believe I don't believe there should be five teams from any country playing in what's supposed to be a Champions League, um, but that's just the way it is. And and English clubs are the big draw card. Uh, and that's what UEFA are pandering for. Uh, and it's up to us to try and, you know, two extra games um, will certainly be a big financial boost for us um, as long as we get in there and let's hope we do. Um, but it will certainly it'll benefit bigger teams more than it will benefit us. But that's just the way football's going. And we just have to either get on board or, or just, you know, wither away. Um, so we just need to keep moving forward and try and keep up. Um so, um, so yeah. You look at the, the four places, there's four extra places, right? Two places go to countries performing best in Europe. So last season, that would have been England and Holland. You get an extra place each. France, the, currently you have the four top four teams, the top four leagues in Europe get four teams each. The Another place will go to the fifth best team, which is another place for France. And only one place goes to the champions path of the qualifying stage, kids to qualifying stages. Kinda makes a mockery of the name Champions League, like. It's not the Champions League. Nah, it's not. It's it's they just shouldn't call it that. League, you know? No, they shouldn't, but if they wanted to restructure, I I would say like, oh, I expand it by four teams, give give France an extra place, fair enough. Pander to the ma the, the, the elites there and then just give the other four three places to the champions path. Just get more teams who are actually champions in there and give them a fair crack of what money wise as well. But they're not prepared to do that. Like. It's um it's the rich looking after the rich. Well, I think it's exciting. All you have to do is finish the top twenty-four and you've got your you've got your own kind of playoff. I mean you're so, you're so already Mark, into the knockout stages for yourself. I have a, I have you a question. That, you get into this. I've got a question, Gav, you might be able to answer for me. So you get eight games. Um, in the in the in the league, and it's the playoff games over and above that. Yep. So yes. you get another two. A minimum of eight games, yes. And then if you finish yeah. within ninth and twenty fourth, <clears throat> you have a, an extra playoff game. Uh, is it one one off game? Yeah. I, I, I no, it's two two legged. I think. Yeah, it's two legged. It's home and away. Yeah, it'll right. be home and away. So that's the only home and away. Uh, so the majority of the clubs get, or half the clubs get 10 games. Yes. Yeah. Mm. So 10 games and a chance of getting into the last 16, as long as we don't finish in the bottom 12, mm -hmm. in which case it's, you know, abject misery. It's bad news, yeah. yeah. What is it? We get about 2 million per home game in Europe, so it's an extra 10 million in the coffer, isn't it? So, mm. And if we get, yes, I think well. the money go, the money goes up as well. I'm pretty sure there's a, an increase in the money getting paid out to clubs, but I would need to check that. But that's something for another day. Maybe. That's for the away games in Saudi Arabia. 
You get an extra. Yeah. You can be you can be sure the the sort of Barcelona's and Real Madrid's of the world will be getting more money than us out. Of, that's for sure. No, so. uh, well, let's not be David Martindale. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's not, Gav. Good point. All right, uh, so we've ticked over the hour. Um, so we'll probably have to, to call it a day. So thanks very much for everybody who joined us in the comments. Uh, and if you've joined us live on YouTube, remember to like and subscribe. Um, everything helps us grow the channel. Um, please uh, like us, like uh, go and visit us on our social pages, which are all on uh, up at the top of the screen there. And if you're listening on audio, please like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Um, so I'll just go down the tiles now and uh, grab some final thoughts from you. Uh, first from you, Gav. Okay, well, my final thought, you know what's coming here, Steve. Um, it's not often I come across new music because I'm old and I live in the middle of nowhere. But I have been listening a lot recently to a band that's been around for a while, but they're new to me. And I'd like to recommend them to the listeners. They're called Sleaford Mods. And oh, I saw them. Yeah, and they're touring I in saw them Australia play. and New yeah. Zealand. Oh wow! I saw them a couple okay. of years ago. They're quite incredible. Yeah. So, okay, great. And uh, for the for the people listening, if they want to check it out, Jules Holland on the Jules Holland show, they performed a song called "Job Seeker." Incredible performance. Check it out. That's my recommendation of the week. Sleeper. I gave them a I gave them a bit of a listen, Gavin. My only recommendation would be they're not suitable for work. That's true. Or small and they're children. Not, they're not suitable for listening with children around. <laughs> so. But they're a good reminder if you're an expat who lives in a nice country why you don't live in Britain anymore. That's right, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And Willie, final thoughts. Um if your significant other is a massive country music fan, never turn to look up at the TV and say, who the F is Keith Urban and what's he famous for? <laughs> <laughs> Willie's the takes are always very personal. <laughs> there is. Uh, so you've been in the doghouse, have you? Oh, I just tired of looked at the missus to see if she'd tell me who he was and there was just daggers getting just stared right through me. It was like, oh. He's a country legend of some sort, isn't he? Oh, yes. He's an Australian legend as well. You get any trouble Aye. anywhere in Australia for that? I know. I never heard of him until the other night when me and the kids and the wife sat down to watch The Voice from last year. Oh, Nicole Kidsman's husband. That's that, isn't it? That's Aye, I never heard, of, never heard of him until a week ago. Like so. Yeah. And Dave, final thoughts? Um, yeah, a couple of things I wanted to make. Um, just... Uh, Mention of I'm um, you know as you know one of the many many Western United supporters in Australia. Come uh, speaking from Ballarat, which is the heartland of Western United, and just uh, congratulations to the women's team for making grand final in their first season. It's actually quite people may disagree with me here, but like it's actually quite an extraordinary model of the women's side in particular um, building a club from the ground up uh, from a um, sort of a grassroots with a few you know international signings and stuff like that. It's been quite an amazing ride. Uh, unfortunately, I won't be able to go to the grand final because it'll be in Sydney. So there's a whole nother, that's a whole nother um, question. But no, speaking of old music, this weekend I'm going to see the Smashing Pumpkins play at Kryle Castle. I don't know if any of you have been to Kryle Castle. It's actually in my hometown of Ballarat. So the Smashing Pumpkins are playing in Ballarat with Jane's Addiction. 
and um, yeah, at a festival at this pretend castle that was built in 1974 or something like that. And is actually, I've only ever been there for my kids' birthday parties, and now I'm going there to see what I, yeah, the, the one of the greatest bands of my lifetime, the Smashing Pumpkins. So I can't wait. I can't believe it. Like, but it's um, yeah, going to be a great weekend. All right. Uh, so my final thoughts. Uh, so yesterday was the 17th of April. And on the 17th of April, 1915, uh, Celtic's founder, Brother Wolfred, passed away. Uh, so that's 100, 108 years since Brother Wolfred passed away yesterday. So you get a chance to raise a glass to the, to the man primarily responsible for us all sitting here today talking about the club <laughs> that we love. <laughs> Gavs, go out there first, empty his glass. All right. Um, if you haven't had a chance to listen to the weekend review Celtic Down Under podcast on Monday, please go and download it and listen to it. It's absolutely brilliant. And don't forget to tune in to the Wednesday Pot Noodle show tomorrow. Uh, and with that, I'll say hail, hail, and good night. Podcast Network. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.